of, um, of preaching. And um, if you came this morning expecting to see Jeremy Carr up here on stage, I'm sorry. You're stuck with me for the next little while. Um, and preaching is hard work. You know, preparing and planning and uh, being up here in front of everybody, it's, just, it's, a, it's a difficult, weighty task. And so before we get started, um, let's spend just a, a moment praying together. God, thank you for the opportunity to be present this morning. Thank you for the opportunity that we've had over the last few minutes to stand in this room and to sing together um, to for just a few brief moments to focus our hearts and our minds on you, to hear the words that we've sung, to hear the words of Scripture that have been read. And God, over the next few minutes, over just the next short while, as we talk about your word, as we talk about some things that you would have for us as a church, God, I pray that you would be at work in our in our midst, that you would be present, that you would speak to our hearts and minds. God, I, I fully recognize that as I stand on this stage, that anything that I would say is worthless. But God, anything that we would hear from you, anything that would be carried along by your Holy Spirit, God, is is of utmost importance. And so, God, I pray that we would hear from you. I pray that you would simply make me an instrument of your grace and mercy, an instrument of your love, an instrument of the gospel. God, despite my inabilities and shortcomings and sin, God, I pray that you would still be at work in this place this morning, that we would hear from you, that you would be glorified, that Jesus would be lifted high, and that we would walk away from here being changed because we have been present with you. And so, God, we ask all these things in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. So here's what we're going to do this morning. Um, over the next little while, I'm simply going to spend some time talking about where we have come as a church, where we are today, and where I believe God has us going and what God would have us focused on in the very near future. Over a decade ago, there were about eight people sitting in a living room right across the Savannah River over there in North Augusta, praying and dreaming and planning and thinking about what it would look like to start a church in downtown Augusta. And as we were in that living room, we were literally um, dreaming about what God would do, about what God would do to put a church in downtown Augusta that would exist so that every man, woman, and child in the city of Augusta could hear the gospel and have an opportunity to respond to God's prompting on their life. And by God's grace, ten years later, we still exist. And by all accounts, maybe we shouldn't. Um, in the early years that we existed as a church, I often joke that we made every mistake that you can possibly make. We made bad decisions. We cast too narrow of a vision. We stepped on toes that didn't need to be stepped on. We communicated poorly. At times we were immature and proud and arrogant and thought that we knew more than anybody else could possibly ever know about what it meant to start a church and reach Augusta with the gospel. And ten years later, by God's grace, we still exist where maybe, you know... 
I don't know why, but 10 years later we still exist and God is still using this church to accomplish his purposes in Augusta. At least that's what I think. I think that's why we're still here. So, so 10 years down the road from when this church first started, 10 years and a couple of months down the road, we just moved into this building three weeks ago, the Doris building. And when we started as a church and we were walking around downtown Augusta and thinking about what God would do, I've shared this story with some of you guys before. I very distinctly remember walking right down the sidewalk, right out there, and walking past the White's building next door and seeing the construction that was going on and being excited about the fact that there were going to be some new condos and new places to live and new businesses in downtown Augusta. And I remember walking by there and half joking and half praying, going, God, it sure would be awesome if you would give us that building so that that's where we could plant our church. And 10 years down the road, God moved us into the building right next door. Um, God has a sense of humor sometimes. But over the past 10 years, uh, our church has met a variety of places. One of the first places we ever met publicly was a bar up the street by the pizza joint called The Blind Pig. I don't know if any of you remember that place. We met there. We met down at Fort Discovery on the river for a little while. For uh, a short period of time, for one summer, we borrowed space from a vineyard church right across the street over there. For a while, we met at Enterprise Mill. For a few years, we rented space at 716 Broad. For a few years, we rented space at 1285 Broad, which is right up the street next to Planned Parenthood. For a few years after that, we met at Warren Road Elementary. And then by God's grace, three weeks ago, we moved into this building. And here we are this morning. In our new home, a home that will hopefully be for some time a permanent base for Redemption Church and a hub for the gospel to spread throughout the CSRA. Starting here and rippling out like waves after you throw a rock into a pond for the gospel to move out throughout the CSRA. God's provision of this building specifically happened for us as a result of a conversation that we started having about two years ago. About two years ago, we were meeting and talking to a church in Columbia called Crossroads about what it would look like for us to partner together to plant churches in between here in Columbia and around the CSRA and what that partnership might look like. And that conversation eventually led in an entirely different direction. It led to us developing a friendship and a partnership with the Christian and Missionary Alliance. And the Christian and Missionary Alliance had had a presence in Augusta for quite some time through a church known as First Alliance. And many of the folks that were part of First Alliance now count themselves as part of Redemption Church today. But a few years back, First Alliance sold their church building and began to, uh, the members that were still there began to partner with Crossroads to plant uh, um, a campus of Crossroads over in Evans. And eventually they came and, and we joined together here at Redemption. But the money that was generated as a result of that First Alliance being Um, sold as a result of that church being sold, the Christian Missionary Alliance took it and put it away and said, one day we're going to use it for another church that partners with the Christian and Missionary Alliance in Augusta. And so that money was dedicated to purchasing this building. And the Christian and Missionary Alliance bought this building for us and they deeded it to us. And it is now the possession of Redemption 
church and we count this building as a blessing of God's faithfulness to his people. And we thank God for his blessing and for his people that gave so generously as a part of First Alliance, as a part of the Christian and Missionary Alliance, that one day we might have a presence back in downtown Augusta. Not because we did anything, but because God brought it all together himself. With all that said, what does any of that have to do with why I'm standing on the stage this morning? Why is that important? We just moved into this building two weeks ago. This is our third Sunday in this new space. And it would be normal for us to celebrate. And it would be normal for us to be glad that we have a permanent home. And we should. We should be thankful for God's provision. At the same time, we are making a costly mistake if we take our eyes off the reason that we're here to begin with. We can't divert our attention from why this church ultimately exists. And we must understand where we go from here. A lot of our time over the past few months, even over the last year, has been spent on getting ready to get into this building. Well, we're here. And so no longer can our focus be about moving. Our focus must go back and must get broader and must be about why we ultimately Exist. If you would, turn with me in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 2. And let's look at verses 11 through 14. Galatians chapter 2, verses 11 through 14. It'll be on the screen, but I'll give you a second to, to turn there in your Bibles. Galatians chapter 2, verses 11 through 14. But when Cephas, and Cephas being Peter... But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? A short recap here is that Peter's one of the twelve disciples. After Jesus' death and burial and resurrection, Peter had mainly been around Jerusalem. At this point in time, he's gone to Antioch. Peter, I mean, Paul has been out. He's been a missionary all over the place at this point in time. And Paul comes to Peter when he's at Antioch and he says, Hey, what you're doing is not in step with the gospel. Your conduct is not in step with the gospel. Peter was acting one way when he was surrounded by Jewish people. He was acting another way when he was not surrounded by Jewish people. And it actually led to one brother being led astray, according to probably some certain legalistic things. And so Paul comes to Peter and he says to him, your conduct is not in step with the gospel. And that's pretty striking to me in the moment. It's striking one that Paul would come and get in Peter's face and say, Hey, buddy, I know you're one of the twelve disciples. I know you're a big mouth. But you're not in step with the gospel. 
And so stay with me here, okay? According to Paul and according to what Paul communicated to Peter here, there's an expectation on believers that our conduct should stay in step with the gospel. And that fact is true for us as individuals, just like it was true for Peter, and it's true for us as a church. Redemption Church is in a time of transition. We've moved locations and we've moved with a purpose. We've moved to center ourselves in the cultural, social, governmental, educational, and commercial hub of the CSRA. Like I said, so that we're a hub for the gospel to go forth. And this building isn't intended just to be a place for us to meet on Sunday mornings. It's intended to be what I just said. A place where the rock gets thrown in the water and the gospel ripples out across the CSRA. That's why we're here. And so we cannot ignore as a church the simple truth that the church has been given a mission and the church has been sent to do something. The church has been launched into the world in the same way that Jesus was sent by the Father to seek and to save that which was lost In Mark chapter 2, Jesus put it this way. He was confronted by some religious people, some people who think that they had it together, thought that they had it together doctrinally. And he's confronted by those people and they say, why are you eating with these sinners and these tax collectors? And Jesus says, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. God has not called Redemption Church back into the heart of Augusta so that we can create a little holy huddle that's a cool place to come on Sunday morning and hang out. It's not why we're here. Leslie Newbegin was a long-term missionary to India. He was a missionary from the Church of Scotland and spent much of his life away from the United Kingdom. And he's famous for coming home and introducing the idea back into the church that we as church members, we as people of God are missionaries with a purpose. And he says this, the church does not exist for the sake of its members It exists to continue the mission of Jesus. The church does not exist for the sake of its members. It exists to continue the mission of Jesus. One need not be any sort of biblical scholar or famous theologian to read scripture and realize that Jesus came to earth with a purpose. He came to earth and he walked this earth in flesh in order to one day become our perfect substitutionary atonement on the cross before God. He is our double cure. His life and death and resurrection provides the means for us as a people to be rightly related to God from now into eternity. But when Jesus walked this earth, he was very clear about why he was here. He was here to call the people to himself and then to send those people out on mission. He was clear that he was forming this group of disciples and living with this group of disciples and teaching them and training them so that they could go out and so that they could raise Jesus high so that people could be gone to Jesus and so that those people could be sent on mission to do the exact same thing. And we as a church are on that same mission. 
The same mission that the church has been on since the beginning. To raise Jesus high that people might be drawn to Christ. And when they are drawn to Christ, to be discipled so that they can be sent back out on mission. Which in itself, in and of itself, might be a form of their discipleship. So here at Redemption, our vision statement is concise and clear. We have come together as a church to lead people to Jesus, to lead people to Jesus. We exist to lead people to Jesus, to lead people to Jesus. We exist to make disciples who make disciples. Our mission and the ministries we pursue to accomplish that vision must stay in step with the gospel. Like Peter, we cannot get out of step with why we exist. We cannot get out of step with what the mission is. And as we go about that mission, as we fulfill the ministry purpose that God has called us to, we must do so in a very gospel-centered way. And so for the next few minutes, let me briefly expand upon what should characterize our gospel-centered mission and our gospel-centered ministry and our gospel-centered vision so that we stay in step with the gospel. I'm going to lay out five characteristics. I'm going to talk through them for just a little bit. There'll be a different Bible verse that goes along with every one. So just hang tight with me. What I want you to hear so far, if you haven't heard anything else, is that we exist for a purpose. We've been given a mission by Christ. And that is the only reason we exist in this location or exist as a church at all. Characteristic number one. Our mission, our ministry, our mission, our vision must come about through empowered worship and prayer. Romans 5.8 says this. But God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The gospel changes our relationship with God from a relationship of hostility defined by sin to a relationship of forgiveness defined by God's work on our behalf. Right? That, in a nutshell, is the gospel. God has acted on our behalf to do something that we could never do for ourselves. And as a response to God's work on our behalf, We as believers are to respond in worship and prayer. And the mission that we are on is to be empowered and fulfilled by that worship and prayer. Our work as a church, our efforts, our plans, they are all done in response to the fact that God has first acted on our behalf and so that we in turn live a life of worship. Empowered by prayer, worship and prayer that happens when we're gathered together in this room, when we're gathered in smaller groups as missional communities, when we're scattered into our neighborhoods and homes and our families. Worship and prayer should characterize us as a people and it should characterize us as a gospel centered church on mission. The ultimate goal of our worship and prayer, whether it happens corporately or on a smaller scale, the ultimate goal is that we as individuals and as a church would be strengthened to do what God has called us to do in the mission that God has given us as we seek to fulfill the vision of leading people to Jesus to lead people to Jesus. Staying in step with the gospel will require us to lead lives 
individually and corporately as people defined by worship and by prayer. That's number one. Characteristic number two of a gospel-centered mission seeking to fulfill a gospel-centered vision is this, evangelistic effectiveness. 1 Peter 1, verses 3 through 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to His great mercy. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. The gospel of Jesus Christ should produce a people and a church that recognize the fact that the gospel is the only place, is the only truth where we can truly find hope and peace that begins now and extends into eternity. Our mission and our ministry should be defined by the fact that God has acted on our behalf and that is the good news that people need to hear. And we should devote ourselves to making sure that the gospel is heard. We should have a vision to see conversions of rich people and poor people, of highly educated people and less educated people, of men and women, of old people and young people and married people and single people, all races, all walks of life, all church backgrounds, no church background, all religious backgrounds. It doesn't matter. We should hope to dry a Draw and communicate the gospel to a highly secular people, a highly postmodern people, highly religious people, highly traditional people, highly people who have no religious background at all. We should be on mission to see the gospel advance. I'm going to camp here for just a second because I believe this needs to be heard and I believe it needs to be communicated effectively, not just to our church, but but to churches all over. But specifically this morning, as we apply it here, our mission cannot be simply to keep our members happy. Nor can it be about attempting to lure believers from other churches by having glitzier services and better programs. No longer can the mission of the church be about us and our wants and our needs and our preferences and our likes and our music and our anything. It must also be about those who have yet to become believers and followers of Jesus Christ. If the gospel is true, and if we are stewards of the gospel, we are awfully poor stewards if we're not presenting the gospel so that it will change hearts and so that it will change lives. But here's our problem. We like the mission being about us. But that doesn't really line up with who Jesus was and what Jesus was about. Jesus said things like this. He said, I did not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. Jesus says, whoever wants to be first must become last. Whoever wants to be great must become the slave of all. 
Jesus said, not my will, God, but yours. And unfortunately, at times in our church and in churches all over the place, there's a certain spiritual narcissism that invades our thinking where the individual needs and the desires of the believers have become the center of our mission. And that cannot be so. Most churches have as their primary focus reaching and then serving the already convinced. So the mission isn't making disciples, but caring for members. And at redemption, we will not be a church whose focus is inward, alone. Yes, we have a responsibility to our members. Absolutely. But we are failing absolutely failing as a church if we do not have an outward focus as well. It's an uncomfortable truth for me to stand up here and proclaim. And for some of you, it might be an uncomfortable truth to hear. But nonetheless, we as a church exist to lead people to Jesus, to lead people to Jesus, to lead people to Jesus, to lead people to Jesus. There are lots of churches out there who will say, we exist to reach the world for Jesus. But are we going to do it? Do we even want to do it? Staying in step with the gospel will lead us to focus on effective evangelism because it's at the heart of why Jesus came to earth and died. Now, I'm not angry with you guys. I'm passionate about this, okay? It's what we as a church need to hear, and it's the mission that we need to understand. Characteristic number three. We should be defined by a community that is countercultural and different from any other community that might exist outside of the church in Augusta. Galatians 5:22 through 24. Galatians 5:22 through 24. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. The gospel of Jesus Christ should produce a church and a people devoid of things like fear and pride and selfishness and instead be a people who are characterized by things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And because of that, our ministry and our mission should be characterized and carried forth by people with minds centered around service rather than selfishness. The gospel creates a community where people should get along inside the church, whereas outside the church they would never be able to get along at all. The gospel is the great leveling field that puts us all on the same standing before Jesus. We all have the same standing before Jesus if the gospel has changed our hearts. We're all formerly sinners, righteous only because of the work of Christ. Not righteous because of what we do. Not righteous because of what we know. Not righteous because of what we give. Righteous because of the work of Christ alone. And that's our standing before God. 
lost or saved because of the work of Christ. And because Christ gives us the same standing before God, internally our community should look so different than anything on the outside. The gospel at work in our hearts and minds and within the body of Christ should be producing disciples who are complete and equipped for the mission and the ministry that we have been called to fulfill. Because the community that exists within inside the church exists to be different and to help us become more like Christ as we do missional communities together, as we live life together, as we do DNA groups together, as we develop friendships and relationships. The community that exists exists to make us whole and complete before God. Inasmuch as we pursue discipleship of people who are not yet disciples as well as people who are already a part of the church. And inasmuch as we do those things, that discipleship must be biblically based. It must be practical in the sense of taking biblical wisdom and being able to apply it to our lives and relational. It must be done in conjunction with other people as we live lives together. Right? That's what our community should look like. Like because the gospel joins us together as a family, as a body seeking to help one another grow full and mature before our Father. Staying in step with the gospel will lead us to develop a community of relationships that are unlike anything that exists on the outside. So characteristic number one was worship and prayer. Characteristic number two was countercultural community. I mean, um, effective evangelism. Uh, characteristic number three was a countercultural community. Characteristic number four that should um, permeate our mission. It should be a part of why we exist and our vision is this. And, and I'm going to use this term. I made it up. I think it's a good term. Whole life integration. So just stay with me on this. 1 Peter 2.9 says this, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. The reason that God has set his church apart is to proclaim his excellencies and his truth. The mission of our church, the mission that Jesus has set us on, cannot be thought of and understood outside of the realms of our entire lives. Whole life Integration. When you guys leave this place where we are gathered this morning, you will scatter all over the CSRA. You're going to go to different homes. You're going to go to different neighborhoods. You're going to go to different cities. You're going to go to different towns. And tomorrow morning you're going to wake up and you're going to go to different jobs and different schools and different whatever. And what you are when you get to those places is this. You are a missionary. You're a missionary for the gospel. Our mission as a church does not exist just when we are gathered together. It doesn't exist just when we are downtown. It exists continually, whether we're in this room or not. The Gospel Coalition 
is a group of people that we have partnered with in the past or that we that we do partner with. And they say this on their website about Christians as it relates to their vocations and to their jobs. Let me just read it for you. Christians glorify God not only through the ministry of the word, but also through their vocations of agriculture, art, business, government, scholarship, all for God's glory and the furtherance of the public good. Too many Christians have learned to seal off their faith beliefs from the way they work in their vocation. The gospel is seen as a means of finding individual peace and not as the foundation of a worldview. A comprehensive interpretation of reality affecting all that we do. But we have a vision for a church that equips its people to think out the implications of the gospel on how we do carpentry, plumbing, data entry, nursing, art, business, government, journalism, entertainment, scholarship, etc. All of life is part of our mission. Whether you're with your families, whether you're in your neighborhood, whether you're at your job, whether you're at your school, our mission doesn't stop. You're still on mission. You're still a missionary for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And staying in step with the gospel will lead us to seeing all of our life as being part of the mission that Jesus has called us to. Empowered prayer and worship. Effective evangelism. Um, countercultural community. Whole life integration. Characteristic number five. And then I'll be done in just a second. Is this generosity. 2 Corinthians 8, 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. The gospel creates a people that are generous because Jesus was generous. The, the gospel should open our eyes to the fact that all of our wealth, even our wealth that we have worked so hard to obtain, is ultimately an unmerited gift from God. And therefore, the person who does not generously give is not just lacking in compassion or obedience. That person is unjust because it doesn't belong to you to begin with. Christ wins our salvation through losing, achieves power through weakness, and comes to wealth through giving everything away. Staying in step with the gospel will lead us to live lives of generosity. Inasmuch as we are a church on mission, inasmuch as our vision is to be a church that leads people to Jesus, to lead people to Jesus, to lead people to Jesus, to lead people to Jesus, inasmuch as that vision is going to continue, whether we're a part of this congregation or not, it must be gospel-centered, it must be gospel-oriented, and it must be defined by these characteristics, I believe. Characteristics of empowered worship and prayer. Characterized by effective evangelism. Characterized by counter-cultural community. Characterized by an understanding that all of life is a part of the mission that we are on. And characterized by the fact that we as people are to be generous people. So, what do I want you to do with all of this? Now that I've stood on the stage for however many minutes and ranted away. First, I want you to very clearly remember our vision. The ultimate reason that we are here. The the mission that God has set us upon. 
The mission that Jesus himself gave us to make disciples, to lead people to Jesus, to lead people to Jesus, to lead people to Jesus. And over the next few weeks and months, we'll be talking more about the statements that we want to use to define our purpose and our vision and the mission that we are on. We're going to be putting those in front of you over and over and over. But for now, recognize the course that Jesus has set us on is to lead people to Jesus, to lead people to Jesus, to make disciples, to make disciples. That's why we exist. Second, I want you to contemplate whether or not the mission that God has set you upon and the ministries that God has called you to be a part of are characterized appropriately by the gospel. This morning we talked about five things. Powered worship and prayer. Effective evangelism. Countercultural community. Whole life integration. Generosity. Do those things mark you do you find yourself in any of those places do you find yourself lacking in any of those places what would god have you to do with examining those things and thirdly i want you to evaluate where you find yourself in all of this do you recognize that you're on mission is that where god needs to meet you this morning Do you recognize that as you are on mission, it needs to be characterized in very specific ways? Is there some area of your life that doesn't match up? And let me close with this statement. In just a second, we'll move into a a time of response. But let me close with this and I'll pray. We must. We must come to the understanding that we don't exist merely for our own benefit. If you walk out of this room this morning and you haven't heard anything I've said at all, please hear that. We don't exist merely for our own benefit. We exist to glorify God as He sends us on the mission that He has laid out for us. Let's pray. God, thank you for the opportunity we've had to briefly talk about the course that you would have us on as a church. God, it is a heavy weight to stand here and think that maybe, perhaps, we've fallen short in what you would have us do and who you would have us be as your people, as a people that you set apart with a purpose. But God, I stand before you with an incredible passion to see this church and to see your body of believers be about the very things that you've called us to be. And so, God, now as we move into our time of response, I pray that you would continue to work in our hearts and minds to reveal your truth to us, that you would continue to draw us to yourself. God, thank you that your acceptance of us is not based on whether we do what you've asked us to do. God, thank you that your acceptance of us is based solely on the sacrifice and the righteousness of Christ alone. And God, it is amazing that you would give us that. But God, we thank you for it. We recognize the great gift of Jesus. 
And God, we ask all these things in his name. Amen.